disaster. Disaster. Hello and welcome to The Red Line, presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. You know, Phil, I was going to actually say The Red Line should be sponsored by your anti-depression medicine of choice for what they put us through on a daily basis. Phil Farber, David Tuckman here. You can follow us on X at Phil's Facts at Tuck on Sports. It seems like each week when we meet, we're coming off the heels of a terribly depressing, uh, blown lead loss. And then, well, the good it's news a, it's is... It's a Tuesday thing. It must be a Tuesday thing. Right? It might be. And then, well, the good news is that they usually end up winning a couple of games in the interim. And then I'm thinking, oh, the next podcast is going to be super positive. And then they do it again. Um, silver lining, since the last time we've spoken, they have five out of a possible six points. And if you had told me that, without Pellick, without Aho. With Bolduc playing, you know, 15, 17 minutes a game. Um, missing Florida game. Uh, Barzal missing a game, exactly. Yep. And if you had told me that we are playing Carolina on the road, Florida on the road, and San Jose at home, and we got five out of six points, I'd be like, I'll take it. But it doesn't feel that good right now, does it? Not at all. It's um, the macro. The macro is good, right? If you If you're able to zoom out, and look at this team and say to yourself, like, okay, they were 21 seconds away in New Jersey from being on a 10-game point streak, right? That That's what it was, right? They <laughs> Their last 10 games, what are they? They're 5-1-4. and four. They are fourth place in the division, I want to say. Or are they third place? Third or fourth place, they're, whatever they are. Yeah. They are. No, they're, they're, they're fourth place. Uh, they're right behind Philly. They're a point behind Philly with a game in hand. They are two points out of second place right behind Carolina, right? And that's with gifting Carolina a point the other night in a game that where we were two seconds away from winning in regulation. Um, and that we're, we're, we're right in the mix. We're in a playoff spot right now, right? And when you consider that they had a seven-game winless streak just a couple weeks ago, from a macro standpoint, you'd be feeling pretty good. They're on a pretty decent point pace. They're scoring, right? Look at these last few games. They put up four against the Sharks. They put up five, uh, four against the Panthers, five against Carolina, four against the Devils, right? The puck is going into the net now. The special teams have been outstanding, right? The penalty kill has been much better lately. The power play is, what, top five in the league? Simon Holmstrom continues to rack up shorthanded points. Right, Mike Riley had a great game last night. A goal, shorthanded goal, an assist on the power play. Looked great quarterbacking our second unit. The macro looks fine, and then when you delve into the micro of each game, where in Carolina you get outshot forty-three to sixteen, and you give up that goal with two seconds left. Florida, you don't blow outright to two two goal leads, but they had two two goal leads and they had to hang on toward the end. And then last night where. That has to be the most devastating home loss I have seen in a while, where against one of the worst teams assembled in the cap era, you can't hold down a 4-1 lead with eight minutes left. You still come away with a point, but you don't feel good about it at all. You, Frankly, you wouldn't have felt good if you came away with two points last night either. The five of six points just doesn't doesn't feel like it. No, uh, and, and listen, you painted a complete picture there. Uh, you know, 
when we look at the individual aspects of this team, there's plenty of positives. You know, there's silver linings. There's there's a glass half full, uh, a way to look at things. I, I believe, to your point, I, I think. If you had told me going into the season that, that Noah Dobson would turn into a legit top pair defenseman, I mean legit. If you told me that Simon Holmstrom would establish himself as a legit middle six winger who can kill penalties and, and maybe spot in on power play two occasionally, and I still believe he could probably do that in theory. Um, the guy's a dog on the puck. Um, he and, by the way, on a team that is like second or third worst penalty kill in the league, he and Pajot at four on five have a rating of zero. They have four oh, points. Plus minus is zero. Their plus minus is zero. Yeah, on and, the four and, on five and by the way, that Pajot's do- been out for a couple three on fives. Right. Or three on four. That does paint a picture. I mean, the our penalty kill is not nearly as bad as it as the ranking is simply because of those those shorthanded goals. Five of them. We have five shorthanded goals. That, and that's a big deal. Team. Right. I yeah. mean, that's a really big deal from a momentum standpoint. Um, you know, obviously just from a, hey, from a, from a goal scoring standpoint, uh, it, it's an element of that this team did not have before, but it also speaks volumes to the ineptitude of the coaching decisions that continue to be made. The fact that yeah. you have a pairing that's as good as Pajot and Holmstrom and that you continue to go to the well with the other pairing that's just getting obliterated on a nightly basis is, you know, beyond comprehension at this point. Um, and, and we'll get into all the the lane stuff, but yeah, you know, it, it feels dirty. Um, I, 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 I want another, I want to highlight another positive. Please highlight. It, it seems we that... need that. I think we need that. I think most people are listening to this podcast thinking, okay, doom and gloom. Everything's dead. I mean, this team's on pace for over 90 points still. Yeah. I mean, it's well, amazing with all, with all the struggles, with all the blown leads, with all the challenges. I mean, cause the East, let's be honest. The East sucks this year. Sucks. The East is terrible. I mean, yeah. I mean. That, by the way, that includes the, us. We are no, no, hundred percent. Everyone is mediocre. That, Everyone is mediocre. That's the one thing, though. I will, I will tell all the Islander fans who are listening to this right now. You are not alone. What do you think Buffalo Saber fans are feeling right now? What do you think Ottawa Senator fans are feeling right now? What do you think Tampa Bay Lightning fans are feeling right now? Toronto Maple Leafs, by the way. What do they have? Five wins in regulation. Five fewer than the Sharks. I think that's the least in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, listen. Every, only only are... Montreal has less less wins in regulation. I believe I heard that somewhere. Um, I mean, New Jersey. Even, by the way, even even I want to point this out also. Even the really good teams, the teams at the top, like the Rangers and the Bruins, they have their flaws, right? I have watched the Rangers these last five or six games. It was a two goal lead comeback against Nashville. They had a game a couple weeks ago against Columbus where they scored on the five on six, or the six on five in the last ten seconds of a game. Uh, there was a game that they played um, the other night. I'm, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was against um, the Red Wings where they came back in the third period. So they've been very opportunistic. They've kind of been like the anti-Islanders in that way, where they've trailed lately for large stretches, have been managed to claw back, and good teams do that. But as you saw last night against a speed team like Ottawa, like a team like the Rangers is is very, very beatable, and they, you know, I think I think coaching has a lot to do with it. Lobby's great. Um, and we've seen some some cracks in Boston as well. Lately. No, I mean, listen, Boston, I, I think no, Boston none of these is, teams are perfect. I think Boston is a paper tiger. Uh, I mean, I think at some point the the losses of Krejci and, and Bergeron are going to rear their ugly head. I do think that there was there was a lot of, hey, let's prove the world wrong the first 20 games of the season. And they did. And they did a great job. And listen, they built a cushion 
So even if they are mediocre over the next, you know, over the next 57 games or whatever it is they have left, they're going to make the playoffs. That's not a question. But you look at the East, and I'm just saying that we're not alone as fans who are disappointed in our coach and who are disappointed in our team right now. Uh, you know, how, how do the Pittsburgh Penguins feel right now? How do the Devils fans feel right now? Coming off of a just a breakout season last year, they're basically on pace for about 87 points this year. That's it. So you're talking about yeah, disappointments I mean, they, uh, throughout enough, the East. The, funny enough, the Devils blew a three-goal lead last night, but they managed to win it in regulation in the last minute. But still, they, you know, playing they, they just lost to San Jose six-three. That's right. I mean, yeah. uh, let's. So I, I mean, I just I go through all this, and 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 frankly, the Devils are a miraculous comeback win from away from us, from being you know even further down in the in really bad shape. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Minnesota Wild. You know, what a joke they are. You know, there's, there, the, the league is littered with fans that are disappointed right now, and many of them, by the way, in the East. Anyway, the other silver lining you were going to say. Go ahead. Yeah, let's I mean, see, let's hear positive. positive. I want to get to, I, I think there are, you know, if, if this was like a team that the expectations were, okay, this is going to be a team we're going to start developing talent. We have no playoff aspirations. We have no cup aspirations. I wouldn't mind it as much because some of the things that Lane is starting to realize, like he's realizing Matt Martin is not cut out for what we want to do and what we want to accomplish. Are you confident in that or is it injury? He's been activated off IR for almost a week and a half now. So I'm pretty sure. And they keep asking if he's ready to say almost. No, I spotted this earlier this season. His ice time was like seven minutes, eight minutes. minutes, nine minutes. He was, as we say, Babcocking him because Babcock really hated Matt Martin in Toronto. And he barely used him, and then it's funny. The and funny by the, at that point, ones. at that point, Matt Martin was actually still pretty good. Yeah, he was like twenty eight years old. Unfortunately, now he's not. He's not there anymore. But anyway, yeah. And then we we took him back for free, and he was a pretty effective player for us on a couple of playoff runs. I mean, Martin up until a couple of years ago was a was a you know pretty valuable member of this forward group. But I think he's got that right, and it took him some time. But I think he finally realized that. You know, when someone has a as good a camp and a good a preseason as Julian Gauthier, it's important to reward that person with ice time. But why does it take him so fucking long? It takes him so long, but I think that third I mean, we all has saw potential it. to be something really good, though. We all saw it. We yeah. all saw it. But yes. I also saw it last year. I kept telling people, I'm like, listen, this is a guy who the biggest knock against him was finishing. Big guy, You're talking about fast skater. Gautier, good raw tools. And then last year, he had nine goals in 50-some-odd games, very limited minutes. His scoring rates were pretty good. He was finally burying some pucks. And I'm like, you know what? He's 25 years old. Maybe maybe he's finally going to turn into something, and maybe he just needs the right opportunity. And now that he's been given the opportunity, he's got four points in his last four games, four and seven on the season, and he's looked fantastic. He Let's has. get him more ice time. I And then he gets nine minutes. Um, <laughs> I... We'll go. We'll talk about that in a second. I, I I tend to agree with you. By the way, you know, glass glass half full attitude. Um, there's a lot to as you said. If this team was not a team that we were kind of hoping that would be in the mix of contenders, possibly, especially if Lou made a uh, a playoff uh, a trade deadline acquisition or two, um, we would be I think really happy. I mean, you look at the the drivers on this team, the better players in this team, were all the young players. Holmstrom, 22. Dobson, 23. Romanov, 22. Uh, 23. Barzell, 26. Horvat, 28. Engvall, 27. Nelson's 32, but he's... Nelson's the one. Nelson's the one key player that is older. Um, You know, Palmieri, you could argue, is key. Pajot is key. And and these are these players on the older side. But a lot of our better, younger, faster players that are contributing are younger and there's something to be you know, optimistic about it. Um, for those of you who are listening thinking, 
What, wait a second. I, I came here because I wanted to hear salt. Let's get into it. Let's we, get we, we will get into it. Um, so first, I do want to. You and I are going to disagree on this because a, a lot of people after Gautier played so well on line one and Barzal was injured, everybody's like, "Why are they moving him on line three, Including you. And I saw the tweet. Um, I saw a play last night that I think actually epitomizes what Gautier is. Do you remember the play where he got within about four inches of the red line? Nobody was on him, and they threw. And he it iced up, the puck. And he iced the puck. Yeah. I'm going to just come out. I, I think his hockey IQ is really, really low. And I think that's probably what's held him back because you can't really, I, otherwise, it doesn't make much sense. The guy's got a friggin' cannon. He's got a, he can snipe, right? Yes. The guy skates like the wind, right? One yep. of the best, fastest skaters. He's huge. This is a former first round pick. You know, the pedigree is there. So, what has held him back over the first, you know, five, six, seven years of his career? And I do think it's hockey sense. And I, I got into a conversation. I know you joined it as well in terms of, you know, how fast a person is on the ice in just literal, how fast are they from point A to point B and how fast do they play? And while Gautier is incredibly fast, I don't think he quite plays as fast. Simon Holmstrom, on the other hand, I think is the opposite of that where, you know, he's not actually that fast, but he plays really fast, which is why he's so good on the penalty kill. Um, I just wonder if Gautier does fast, right? Yeah. Well, not just quick versus fast, just seeing Pace the game. speed. It's Pace. Just hockey sense, really. It's just like yeah. you're one step ahead. If you're one step ahead, I mean, somebody brought up Mark Stone in, in Vegas, who is literally right. one of the slowest players in the NHL. I mean, he's literally one of the slowest players in the NHL, but the guy is always one step ahead of everybody else simply because he sees the game before everybody else does. And that's big. And I'm wondering if that's what's holding back Gautier. And if it is, and I suspect it is, I think the third line is actually a better fit for him because Pajot is a much easier player to play with, in my opinion, than Barzal is. Well, Barzal is a ridiculous talent. We know that. He's not an easy player to play with. He's not predictable. It's what makes him so good also because the other team doesn't know what he's going to do either. But I think for a lot of players, it can be difficult to play with him because you just don't know, okay, what, what's he going to do? How long is he going to hold on to the puck? You've got to be very good without the puck on your stick because they're not going to be holding it much because Barzal's got it. So I do think that maybe, and this is just my thought, that Gautier is actually a better fit on that third line. And that third line, Pajot, Simon Holmstrom, Gautier, looks really good. So long as he is a regular in the lineup, I'm not going to complain. Okay. I think they need his speed. His size was, I mean, there were a number of situations last night where he's knocking pucks down in the defensive zone and his reach and his size are an asset in that regard. I think he's, he's like, he almost feels lot. like a slightly worse version of, of Engvall. Yeah, I, I guess mean, you in say terms that. of like the reach and the size, he's not, he doesn't have the he's skating not great, ability. He's not, he doesn't handle the puck as well as Engvall. No, he though. doesn't, clearly. No, I mean, he's a guy you want, you want, to get him get him behind the defense for breakaways. His shot's been really good. He must have been working on that for like the past six months because these these snipes are fantastic. You know, what he's putting on net and, and they're but, going but His goal last night was what all Oliver Wallstrom fans think that they think that's Oliver yes. Wallstrom. That's what they think yep. Oliver Wallstrom is. <laughs> yep. And Gautier's obviously just much better at creating space for himself than Wallstrom. Yeah. There's no reason for Wallstrom to play in front of this guy ever absent of injury or some sort of mega, mega funk. I want to throw this at you, and I'm curious. So I personally think with the personnel we have right now, and it's clearly, you know, is it perfect? No. But with the 14 forwards that we have right now, I think the lineup we had last night is actually my favorite one. Yeah, I mean, listen, you can... 
we can debate about where Lee should play and if Lee should play. Yeah. But up until up until the point where they either decide that they're going to make a recall from the AHL for someone who I don't even know who that would be or make a trade. I I personally think Lee is the weakest link in the lineup just because he doesn't he hasn't fit anywhere just yet, but yeah, I I have no They've been scoring. The team's been scoring. They've looked good in the offensive zone. They've been creating chances. The power play's been good. The The issue is is not the 12 forwards that they had on the ice last night in terms of who they are. Now, how they're deployed in certain situations and time of ice distribution, we that's can... something else. I also do want to point out that there are some players who are by no means even coming close to holding their weight. And, and we can look at Ryan Pollock and how he's been defensively, which has been mostly poor. Um, and Scott Mayfield has just been a travesty. Now, some people are saying he's still hurt. Well, if he's still hurt, then don't play him and certainly don't play him 18 minutes a night. Uh, we can we can get more into that uh, soon. We can. Now, listen, I'm not going to sit here because I two podcasts ago, three podcasts ago, four podcasts ago, I was talking about how Anders Lee is an issue, and I don't know where this issue is going because he's got making $7 million a year. Um, the thing I will say is I, 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 I don't think there's a fit for him. Because he's just, uh, you know, he's not a fit for certain lines. And I think the way we're constructed right now, he probably has to be on the first line. And I will point this out about Anders Lee. (laughs) The guy's not getting first line minutes. He's played on the first line. He's played on the third line. He's played everywhere, right? Um, He's he's not playing power play anymore. And yet he's playing second. He's playing second power play. And the other night he actually had a nice power play goal. He did. He did. But he's not getting he's not getting power play one goals anymore. So right. I, I will throw this at you. If I were to tell you that Anders Lee had 28 goals last season and 28 goals the year before that, but this year he would be on the third line a little bit, he'd be on the first line a little bit, and he wouldn't be on the power play one anymore. How many goals would you think that he would lose from that? Is that 12 worth to 14, 12 to 14 goals? Well, that's what he's on pace for. I mean, that's pace basically like what, what eight, he's on 18, pace for. 18 goals roughly? Yeah I, bet, yeah. I mean, he's on pace for somewhere in that neighborhood, you know? And he's probably... Unless he gets, you know, injured or something strange happens, he's probably going to get somewhere between fifteen and twenty-two goals this season. Um, yeah, is it is it good? No. Is he an issue? Absolutely. Is he overpaid? Yes. All of the above. But I, I do think as the roster is constructed, I I, I was quite happy with the, the twelve forwards last night. Um, but let's get to the deployment of them. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about the five on six and and who's out there and and who should be out there. Talk about a lot of things. Okay, so I saw an interesting tweet, Phil, and I wanted to throw this at you. There's a tweet I got from, I saw from Alex, uh, at A-J-S-O-T-I. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Alex has, I mean, I love Alex. He's got great takes. He does. Well, his take last night, and I'll read it. These Isles losses are getting cooked up in periods one and two, and the fans just don't see it. Peak at the time on ice. He's burning out his deep pairings, he being Lane Lambert. He's burning out his deep pairings and always serious lagging a forward or two's minutes. Tonight, Riley only played 12 minutes and Gautier played nine. And I'm curious because as we look at these third goal, third period leads evaporate, I think everybody's looking for an answer. Why? Are we playing it more passively? Is Lane changing the lines up at the wrong time? Is, is he making changes when he doesn't need to make changes? Or, and this might be Alex's point, I assume it is, and maybe this is true, or at least partly true, is he burning out the players in periods one and two and they've got nothing left the last 10 minutes of the game? To a certain extent, for sure. I mean, you have guys, and it's it's really Dobson, Romanov, and Pollock most prominently who have been playing obscene minutes the entire season, 
right? We just brought in, albeit off waivers, a guy who just a year and a half ago was playing top four minutes on a really good Boston team. I mean, we saw this guy in the playoffs. He was an impressive player. They were playing him more than 19 minutes a night. Cassidy, a Stanley Cup coach, had this guy in his top four. And he's 30 years old, and we were treating him like a 20-year-old rookie. 12 minutes of ice time, eight and a half minutes of ice time in well, Florida. Are, I mean, What are you seeing out of him? Because I'm, I'm, I'm seeing ups and downs. I'm seeing somebody who can skate with the puck. I'm yep. seeing somebody who can move the puck. He's got some offensive flair. Obviously, he's not, a, he's not an ideal power play quarterback. But number two, I think he does a fine job, and we saw that last night. Yeah. Um, he can move the puck. He, he, he's got a little bit of that. You know, uh, I think he's as good or better than Sebastian Ajo in that regard. Defensively, he's got 10 he shots does on goal in four games for us. That's great, right? Which is, I mean, he's got 17 shots in six games this season, right? He's, he's a guy who can activate in the offensive zone. We saw that perfect? last night. We saw him yeah. uh, on a. He was the fourth one in the zone on a Barzal. Barzal came in on the left wing, uh, stopped, created a little bit of time and space for himself, and he found. Uh, Riley coming in, Riley got a nice shot on net. Uh, that was not yep. the goal. The goal, obviously, was from Simon Holmstrom, who, by the way, now he's good, by the way. Simon Holmstrom is now good because he has now, assists. Now because he has assists, he's good. The <laughs> funny thing idiotic. about that is if Gautier <laughs> doesn't bury that chance and if Riley doesn't bury that chance, people are still talking about Simon Holmstrom having zero assists and the guy's a complete zero and can't create, right? That's how it goes, right? It's For so, assists, yeah. especially primary assists, it's it's dependent on other people doing some work. Like, so dependent. You, so you could only control what you can control. Like, and there have been right. a plethora of opportunities where if a couple guys earlier in the season had some better finishing touch, he'd be sitting on seven goals and, and six or seven assists right now. Yeah, okay. But so what I'm seeing from Riley is what are you seeing? So I'm wondering because defensively, we have seen a couple of laps. His first game, he made that, he turns the puck over at the blue line. We, they get a two on one and they score. He's not going to do that again, though. No, last night. I don't think I don't think the the first goal that Hurdle scored was his fault. He actually was covering for Mayfield. That was and Mayfield's then, fault. Mayfield coughed the puck up. I actually think it was Anders Lee's fault. Watch the watch well, the Lee video. Lee didn't again. cover the Lee didn't cover the slot. He Lee was there. Lee was he there. Didn't do anything? I literally. But, but Mayfield Mayfield just literally coughed the puck up and gave it away. No, I mean Mayfield coughed the puck up. Horvat's kind of going in there to try to help him out. Uh, then Riley goes to the other side of the net, and Anders Lee. And this is something I I literally teach my nine and ten year olds. Don't guard space. Guard a player. We're not playing. Right. You, you, you're not playing zone. You actually right. have to. You're guarding. Yes, you want to be in the high slot, but guard the player. And Anders Lee is there just guarding nothing. I actually stopped the play last night after they scored. I stopped it. I call my, my kid who plays hockey, and I go, hey, number 27, what did he do wrong here? And he said it. Right. But yeah, actually, and that happened against that happened against the Devils too. And unfortunately, Riley was out for that one also. But it was a rebound off of Sorokin, and Lee's there, and he just can't get to the puck to clear it. And Jordan Stahl, it was against the I'm sorry, the Hurricanes, not the Devils. And then Jordan Stahl just from six feet away snipes it over Varlamov. Um, and Riley's just like looking at Lee with with dagger eyes, like, "Come on, man, get me a plus over here." Don't. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't we'll go. And, and well, last night also the tying goal. It was Lee who was I don't know what three feet away doing from nothing. The, three feet doing away from the guy who scores. The doing game. nothing useful. Doing, just, just he next can't to be him. out for that situation again. Well, that, that's the weird thing. Like, I don't well, want to... everyone, everyone's old, everyone's slow, but it's that in those situations they're deploying the guys who are old and who are slow. I think that sequence might look a little bit different if the left winger on that line is Sezikis or Pajo or even Gautier or or Engvall or whomever versus Anders Lee. And if defensively you're deploying instead of Scott Mayfield, maybe you're putting Mike Riley in there. Maybe you're putting Noah Dobson in there. It's just 
it's puzzling that these are the decisions that are being made. Back to Riley, I thought he had the most impressive breakup of a two-on-one that I've seen from an Islander defenseman all season last night. Right, We're talking about another Mayfield blunder. People forget about that one. The Mayfield pinches in. Riley's the we only always guy forget back. about the ones that don't go in the net. Right. Takes away the pass. Right. I mean, we've seen how many times have we seen an Islander defenseman look like a deer in the headlights on a two on one? He knew exactly where to be. I thought he had one bad turnover um, breaking out of the zone. I think it was in the second period. Didn't really turn into anything, though. They got it out like five seconds later. But, you know, that was a bad turnover. Um, but he's certainly not playing worse than than anyone else's. Um, no, he's, I, he's I been better. Get... He's been better than Mayfield, and he's certainly better than Bolduc right now. And I don't certainly know. better than Bolduc, probably better than Pollock too, as of late. So I just don't understand why you would effectively bench him in the later stretches of the game and and continuously wear down the guys who have been taking the brunt of the load for the entirety of the season. Like Pollock's not going to be back anytime soon. If they don't pace themselves, these guys are going to be corpses by January. Yeah, yeah, it's this is not a this is not a four game stretch that you need to win three games, and this is Pelix out long term, as you pointed out. Um, I, I don't want to bash on Anders Lee because to me, good coaching, and we t- we hit on this I think last week or the week before. Good coaching, uh, the job of a good coach is, is to put your players in a position to be successful, mm-hmm. and when you put Anders Lee out there on a six on five, it just doesn't make any sense. I actually thought Anders Lee looked pretty good offensively yesterday. Yeah, he made some, he made that one rush. Well. He made one rush. He, he got to the net. Um, had a couple of good plays in front of the net where he almost scored a couple of goals. Um, yeah, the setup was from it's actually a really nice setup from Bolduc, and then it just hit a stick in front and went out of play. But he's made some. But I'm saying, I mean, offensively, I thought he looked he was noticeable. Unfortunately, defensively, defensively he was well. Defensively, he was also noticeable. But yes. I just don't understand. The thing is, like, why why are we doing that for a I don't know why like you're up 4-1 why we're switching lines around so much and then and then it's like the wheels come off the panic starts to happen it's deer in the headlights and then he's just we're just holding on and then the decisions at the end don't make any sense um yeah and also <laughs> at the end of games when they're trying to clear the puck up the wall and they're just not able to get it out I would just prefer you just aim for the empty net and if you miss take the icing like that play for some reason going going along the boards, it's just never working. That puck's never getting out, whether it's Pollock, whether it's Mayfield, no matter whom it is. Use the middle of the ice, maybe hit the empty net. You know, it's it's astonishing that they went for I think they had like 13 empty net goals last year. They have zero. I mean, please come back, Zach Parise. Please, we need you for this. <laughs> we need you to help us close out games. I mean, he was the he was the doctor of closing out games. That is what his PhD was in. You needed an empty net goal. You call Zach Parise. Please, Zach, if you're listening to this podcast, Dave and I request your services. What? So I, I want to get to just one more thing about the coaching. Um, what's going on? I mean, in your opinion, if you're watching these third periods, why is the team continually falling apart? And why is it Lane's fault? Despite, despite, despite uh, besides the fact that it just he's the head coach, it's ultimately his fault. Besides that, I mean, it's not one hundred percent his fault. Um, I mean, people hate when I say this, but Stefan put out Sorokin's numbers when the Islanders are playing with a lead, and they they are not pretty at all. Right at a certain point, your eight and a quarter million dollar goaltender needs to make a save. Last no. night, I don't think I can't I can't think of a single highlight real save. 
I thought Cockman was fantastic. And I think part of it is just he's been so chaotic in the crease where on goal number three, I just thought he took himself out of the play. But goal he was two. Like down on his what about goal on, two? On goal two, it goes right through him. I don't care about people. I mean, the Pollock notion... play was terrible. I don't know what Pollock play was saying. terrible, but make like, the what's save. He doing? I mean, just because it's deflected doesn't mean you can't save it. I saw Kokkinen make like seven deflection saves last night. If yeah. you're in good position, the puck's going to hit you. Well, that's, that's the, the bottom thing. line. Goal if, number five. I don't know what Barzal was doing. Oh, I mean, the I was end of, screaming the end of on top a, the of end of a minute shift. Yeah. I, but grab him. Seven yeah. seconds left. Yeah. No. Don't let him in the zone. Jump on him. Get on his back. Right, right, right. Let him give you a piggyback ride. It makes no difference what you do at this point. It doesn't make a difference. Drop your stick. Punch the guy in the face if you have to. I remember seven years ago, I was watching an Islanders versus Flyers game. And with like five or seven seconds left in overtime, I'm pretty sure it was Couturier just hugged Tavares, practically put him in a headlock. And Tavares was furious. Furious to the point where Tavares, who's a pretty awful shootout player, ended up winning it in the shootout, probably out of spite. But that's what you do. That's what veterans do. That's what coaches should be well, telling just, players. And uh, I see absolutely. I see it not only with the Islanders, with other teams. Like when you get under eight seconds left in overtime and the other team hasn't crossed into your zone yet, by all means necessary, you drop your stick and you tackle them and don't touch the puck and the thing is over. It's like that play with the Baltimore Ravens against the Bengals, right? Where they had the offensive line, just hold everyone for 10 seconds, take a safety. The only way the game could end on a penalty is if the other team gets a score and that ended the ball game. It's the same kind of thing. There's, there's way you could gimmick this thing. Because they can't deduct anything from you at that point, and they can't penalize you. But that goal has been going through Sorokin so frequently this season. Um, is how big a part of the problem is Sorokin? I don't know. Let's call it twenty percent or twenty five percent. But he's not the biggest part of it, not by any means. No, and, and Horvat came out and he was even talking about. He's like, you know, it's it's in our heads now. Now it's in our yeah. heads, and I think from a from a coaching standpoint, this this will define Lane's career right now. I mean, how he still has a job is beyond me, but clearly he does, and clearly... And by the way, everybody's getting on Lou. Are we certain that Lou even has the green light to fire him? We have no idea. I mean, are we sure that the owners are happy to pay him two more years for nothing? People always assume, like, how is Lou not firing him? And, and maybe Lou could just tell the owners that I want to fire him, but... Could the owners be like, hey, listen, I, I don't want to fire him for no reason. I don't want to just pay into the coach for no reason. Do we know that? Yeah. I mean, we don't know that. We we have no idea. But, um, or, or But they got to fire the coach. But they got to fire the coach anyways. Let Lou coach, for God's sake. Let anyone coach. No, they, they have to fire him. I, I'm just wondering at this point what what the answer is. Because, I mean, last night, I even be- I started to believe last night. It's 4-1. We're playing San Jose. There's eight and a half minutes left. I'm like, okay, finally, we're going to run away with this. I thought we might win 6-1 when it was all said and done, the way that game was going. They should have. I mean, even when it was, even when we went up 4-1, we kept pressuring. There was a there was a play where Pajot probably should have shot, but then he deferred to Riley, and Riley missed the net. Um, we were we were buzzing all over the place. It's really that, that Pollock turnover just changed the game. I mean, and even after that, right? It wasn't a fire drill until they pulled the goalie with like, Three and a half minutes left for the first time on that icing, and then they got that goal. And then when it was four three, I think everyone in the building knew where it was going. What was the uh, what was the atmosphere like at the building? I mean, I heard the boos. I heard it was bad. I heard there were boo birds out, fire lane. I heard it wasn't a very well attended game to begin with. 
which which is another problem, right? The team can't run into an issue where they're not filling the building this early on <laughs> into that building's existence. But man, I would not have wanted to be there. Scary stuff. Um, by the way, I listened to, I watched the game last night, uh, listening to the San Jose bro- uh, Sharks broadcast, and they could not stop raving about Pierring Ball. They and he was, he was fantastic last night. He did everything but finish. And you know, Pierre is not the greatest finisher. No, he's right. He, listen, and if someone, he was the best, if he was a good finisher, he's six and a half million a year. Oh, for sure, right? He's a guy who you expect to get you somewhere around fourteen to eighteen goals. Let's call it right. He had fifteen two years ago, seventeen last year. Probably twenty to twenty five assists. Well, more than twenty to twenty five assists in a top in a top six role. Like he has nine now. He's on pace to finish with what, like twenty. 7, 28 assists. Right, like, okay, so like, and like like 45 points maybe total? 45 points total, almost all of them coming at even strength because he plays on the second power play. And and you're you're very happy with that because he plays a good two-way game. He's the second of best skater on the team. A very good value for 3 million. Like I, I feel like... I feel like he gets a lot of third you... assists, by the way. I know they don't... Yeah, no, but I'm I saying think, I feel like he gets a lot of third assists in the sense that like the right. puck go the puck goes deep, he forechecks, his big reach and his forechecking ability forces the puck yes. to somebody else that ends up going to the point that goes somewhere else, and then eventually Nelson or Palmieri stick it in. Yeah, and I keep having to remind people when he when he doesn't finish all these chances, like we we're paying him three million, right? You have to temper your expectations as to what this player is ultimately going to produce. And if you know, we'd love for him to be a twenty five goal scorer. We'd love for him to produce at a six and a half million dollar level. It's possible that in certain seasons on this contract, he's going to get there. I'm a lot more forgiving of it when it's him versus if that was Bo Horvat coming in for two clean breakaways and missing on both. I'd be losing my shit because you're getting paid eight and a half million dollars to bury that. So, and uh, speaking of Simon Holmstrom, uh, it is funny how, you know, <laughs> it was just, I thought it was just really ironic that it seemed like. 24 hours ago, 48 hours ago, it was the pinnacle of Simon Holmstrom. Come on, there's no assists. He has zero assists. I kept seeing all this on Twitter and all the Simon Holmstrom hate of like, yeah, okay, whatever. So he's got seven goals. Who cares? He has no assists. He's got to be more of a playmaker. And then boom, two assists. It's funny because the biggest knock people always had on Bailey was, oh, he's getting assists, but he's not getting goals. He's not getting goals. And (laughs) then, you know, the same people are like, well, he's only getting goals. He's not getting assists. Like, I don't, I don't know, dude. Like, make up your mind, you know? The, the kid could easily score 20 goals at the way he's clipping this year with zero power play time. Right, with, with like right? Six... If this guy finishes with 20 goals and 10 assists, you know, give him a kiss on the mouth because that would be a fantastic season just considering his deployment. Well, not only that, it's also funny. It's like I, I, I've been hearing for, whatever, the last decade, we need to get younger, we need to get younger, we need, to, we need some youth, we need some good skaters. Yeah. And then, oh, no, but not him. Not him, no. Um, and then the argument of, well, he's not a top-line guy. He was drafted 23rd overall. Most top-line guys don't go and don't get drafted in the late first round. Um, yeah, I was trying to explain this to someone yesterday. Like, you mean, you know, yeah, if he becomes a 60-point player, he'll have lived up to his draft expectations considering where he's been. I'm like, what do you, I'm like, you think 60-point players grow on trees at the end of drafts? I'm like, if I'm drafting in the top 10, you know, let's call it, six through 10, you're lucky if you get a consistent 60 point player, like those guys who are like supposed to be automatic. And we've learned from Michael Del Cole and Ryan Strom that you're never automatic, but those guys are usually reserved for like picks one through five. And right? even, and even, even there, six, it's not automatic. I mean, and is right. Like I said, not automatic. Like if pick, you're getting uh, a 60 point player at pick 23, 
that is a mega mega steal. Hey, I what Matt Marzal is is a mega mega steal. Oh yeah, that player him. is not always available at pick fifteen or sixteen, whatever he is. Uh, it is. Uh, it always makes me smile when I think that the Bruins had three first round picks right before Barzal was taken. Right, and they did not take him for there. Uh, by the way, for Island Defense, if you want to feel a little bit happy, uh, know that in the year that Simon Holmstrom was drafted, twenty third overall, uh, Kako went second overall. Same draft, and yep. Holmstrom is a better player right now. He definitely is. Uh, it's not even close. Hey, I was talking to somebody about this, and I don't want to uh, go off the thing because we do usually just talk Islanders hockey, but uh, Ovechkin, he's not going to get Gretzky, is he? He looks old. He's going to have to play like six more years to get to Gretzky with the way he looks right now. Well, and I think that team, he's just, you know, the team is, they're in a really tough spot because they really need to rebuild. Um, and they just lost 6 nothing to the Coyotes. They are not making. They're just going to fall apart. They're not making the playoffs. They're in a playoff spot right now. But I mean, they're going to watch them play. They had Charlie Lindgren go on an insane six-game run. Um, they got thoroughly dominated by the Kings. And you know, again, you know, I guess throwing stones from a glass house, whatever. We ha- we have we've had that too with the uh, Hurricanes and Panthers recently. The only difference is with the Islanders, the expectation is that's what our goaltending is going to be because we have elite goaltenders, whereas with the Capitals, they do not have elite goaltenders. So when they have that stretch, you, that's not something that you expect to be repl- replicable or something that's going to sustain itself throughout the season. Uh, that would be the only difference there. Also, the Islanders, are just on paper and, and on the ice, are, are a better overall team. I, I want to ask you one last thing before we uh, we wrap this up. And I know you got to go. Our power play is just humming. And if I had told you that our power play would be this good and Holmstrom would be this good and Dobson would be this good, I have to imagine that you'd be a little bit more optimistic how our record would be, right? I mean, that's the crazy part. And that's what I started. That's what I led in with. It's, you know, it's all almost like this coaching staff doesn't deserve these things that they've (laughs) been given. You know what I mean? They don't deserve to have Bo Horvat with 20 points in 23 games. They don't deserve this second line. They don't deserve this power play. They don't deserve five shorthanded goals. They've been they've been given every advantage in all these games. They've trailed for less time than any team in the NHL. Cumulatively, between the Devils game, the Sharks game, the Panthers game, right? Those three games, they trailed for a grand total of 21 seconds in those three games. And I don't know what it was in the in the Carolina game, but they didn't trail for for very long stretches, right? They were down one nothing, got it back. They were down two one, they got it back. So, right to come out of those two games in particular with the Devils and the Sharks, where you trailed for a cumulative twenty one seconds, and you only got one point out of those four, disaster, disaster. There you have it, Phil Farber, folks. I'm Tuck on Sports. I am David Tuckman. He is at Phil's Facts. Uh, Send us a note, and uh, thank you so much for supporting the Red Line. See you next week.